This is part three. This is part three of the basics. And tonight, I kind of want to pull apart an idea that I believe uh, a lot of Christians early on and later on and anywhere in between, we ask this question. What happens, what do I do when I can't feel God? Have you ever asked yourself that? Have you ever said, man, I don't know what to do. And, and if yourself is asking yourself, well, why don't you know what to do? Your answer is, I just don't feel God. Has anybody ever been in that spot? Can we be honest tonight? Have you ever felt like, man, I've been doing this Christ thing. It just doesn't feel the same way that it did last week when they played Scandal of Grace. I just need them to play that. If they played that song every week, I'd get saved every single week. Like, I just don't feel God like I used to. Oh, that's the worst. I just don't feel God like I used to. Like he changed or something, you know. I don't feel him. So what's happening? Well, tonight I want to pull apart an idea of what's really happening when I can't feel God. And if you have your, anybody got their paper Bibles, say, I got it. And if you don't have your paper Bibles, we don't judge you. Yes, we do. Unless this is your very first time. We're bringing paper back. So if you don't have your Bible, say, I'm so sorry. I messed up. I got a lot of things going on. But next week, I promise I'll bring my paper Bible. Go. <laughs> they started speaking in tongues. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, it's okay. We'll put it on the screen um, because we don't want you to look it up on your phone because we pray that the government crashes it. <clears throat> Here we go. We're at Psalms chapter 22. I love Psalms. Um, the majority of these were written by David, and they're incredible. David was one of my favorite figures in the Bible. He was the, the, the greatest king Israel had ever seen, and he was a man that the Bible called a man after God's own heart. And this is a, a time of despair in the author's life. This is Psalms chapter 22. This is what it said, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I love when I read the Old Testament and they use big words like that that I have to like Google because like the, whoever says, like can you imagine somebody being like, hey babe, where are you going? I'm going to the store. And I'm like, baby, why did you forsake me? No. But in the Old Testament, it's totally okay to say forsaken. It's the these and the thous and the first, everything is okay. Every, nothing's off limits in the Old Testament. So it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We can feel the despair in the author's heart. It's, he, this is almost like a, it's supposed to be a song, but it's like a, a this, this cheesy 80s love song where he's like crying as he's singing. I can imagine the music video, the hair crazy, and he's like, why did you leave me, girl? But he's talking about God, so not a girl. <clears throat> and this is what he said. Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. I can't feel you, God. Where were you at, God? I can't feel you right now. I cry by day. I read my Bible by night, and I even go to small group. I even checked out that first Wednesday thing that they have, and it's still, I don't feel like you're answering me. And by night, I have no rest. But this is what I want you to check out end of that passage of scripture, verse 3, is so beautiful because what the psalmist is acknowledging is, yes, I have these things that really make me upset, but here is the answer to my own question. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever answered your own question and be like, oh, duh, that makes sense. He said, yeah, I got all this junk going on. I can't feel you, God. I'm not close to you. What does he say at the end, though? Yet, you are holy. Almost as if to say, self, calm down a little bit. God is still real. I know me and me don't feel them right now, 
but that doesn't change who he is. Yet, you are holy. Can I talk to you for a few minutes tonight from the subject of when I can't feel God? Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We are so thankful for who you are. We ask that you begin to speak in this place tonight. Do something in every single heart. Change us from the inside out. God, change us from the inside out. It's not worship. It's not preaching. It's not the handshakes or the cool shirts. Jesus Christ, it's your Holy Spirit on the inside of us that you sent as real assurance that you're real that's going to change us from the inside out. And everybody said, amen. As a man, as a dude, I, I, I kind of have this like predisposition where I'm just not scared of stuff. Okay? That's just the truth. Anybody, any males in here say I'm really not scared of much? Can we be honest with that? Okay, we know. Don't date these dudes. I'm just kidding. Um, anybody, but as dudes, that's just us. You know what I'm saying? Like we're never really going to admit if we're straight up like, like scared of the dark. My wife asked me why I plug in the Glade plug in in, the, in the, the, the room, in the front room, and it's not because I'm scared of the dark when I walk out. I'm, I would never be scared of the dark, okay? But, but that's okay. She asked me. I'm like, because, baby, it smells good. There's, don't, don't ask me questions. I'm not scared, Okay. But as dudes, we just, we just don't like to admit that we're scared of things other than women. And I have a similar predisposition. I'm just not really scared of that much stuff. Can I just be honest? Okay? And sometimes that gets you in trouble. Sometimes when you're not scared of stuff, you have this, like, innate feeling that you're Superman and you could pretty much do anything. Women, I'm not going to ask dude this question because they're going to they're gonna give me the wrong answer. Girls, do you have a man that thinks he could do a little bit more than he can do? Let's be honest. Uh-huh. Look, she said, nope, I'm not going to. He's sitting right by me, okay? We have this issue. I remember this one time. So I'm going to get the ladies uh, crying for a second, um, and I'm going to get the dudes in trouble because y'all going to have to step up your game to reach mine. It's okay. Um, when, before I was married to my wife, usually before marriage comes what? The proposal, right? And I thought I'd do my proposal in grand style. I thought, I'd, I thought I'd do something that was over the top, overboard, something incredible that would have all my dudes hurting and all the ladies saying, man, he's just an incredible man that's not scared of anything. So what I did was I made sure that I proposed to my wife in another country. Anybody in here can say that they did that? No, don't put your hands up if you did. My wife was studying in Thailand for a couple months um, during the middle of our dating relationships, not twice, we only dated once, um, in, in the middle of our dating relationship, and I got this crazy knucklehead notion that I would propose to her in Thailand. I was going to surprise her. So I, I made this elaborate plan, and I got this scheme together, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to propose to her in Thailand, and I did it. I bought the tickets and the ring. It hurt. I'm still feeling it. <sighs> but I love you, baby. You're worth it. You know what I'm saying? You're worth it. Um, and I did this, and I, and I proposed to my wife in Thailand. Thankfully, she said yes, because that would have been a long trip home. Um, but she would have gave me that ring back, though. Amen? Oh. <laughs> that was too far. Um, you can keep it. You can keep it. Um, but I proposed to her. She said yes. And the coolest thing about this trip is I made um, my trip a little bit, because the flight was like 17 hours, so I wasn't going to like do it. Uh, do the flight, propose, and then jump right back because it, it was just too long. So I thought, you know what, I would elongate this trip a little bit, and I would make it about a week and a half long stay. That way we could get engaged and spend some time together, and it would be beautiful. Um, so we did. So we did. She said yes. 
the, the, the consequence of her saying yes was that we get to spend a beautiful week um, in an amazing country uh, called Thailand. And um, ha anybody been out of the country before? How bad? Okay, so we get mad at the state troopers and, and the people that keep our roads safe. But has anybody been in a country where the people just can't drive? They just cannot drive. Thailand is one of those countries. They do not enforce traffic laws. I don't understand that. I was like, okay, do you have traffic laws? Yes, yes, yes. Do you enforce them? No, no, no. Okay, that makes no sense. They don't enforce traffic laws. Um, and one of the coolest things that I noticed by the, the, the people that were spending time with my wife at the school that she was at um, in Thailand was all the dudes drove dirt bikes. I thought that was so cool. Um, I did think it was a little weird that nobody uh, obeyed traffic traffic signs or, or traffic rules, but the dudes were still brave enough to drive uh, dirt bikes. So, of course, when one of them asked me if I wanted to drive a dirt bike, I was going to say, yeah, what's up? Yeah. Have you ever dri driven a dirt bike before? Uh, yeah, when I was like 12. Yeah, I remember, though. I know how to shift gears, right? I played Gran Turismo twice. I can do this. Let me, let me ride on this dirt bike. So I was like, you know what? I've always had an affinity for two-wheel monsters. I can drive a Harley. I can drive a dirt This is going to be awesome. Yes, I am so down with driving um, this dirt bike. How do you drive it again? Just a quick lesson, right? Um, so they gave me this quick lesson, and I remember... Um, I remember driving around their little cul-de-sac and figuring out how to get uh, the, the motorcycle started. So that was the first part. Um, you have to start it before you ride it. And then I was like, okay, first gear. All right. All right, stalled out. No big deal. It's only the seventh time I tried this. We're going to be all right. Um, but can anybody in here say, even when the odds are against you, even when stuff's stacked up and it looks like it's not going to succeed, you just have this kind of, you kind of got a feeling. Like, you know what I'm saying? One of those feelings like everything's going to work out. This is going to be great. Anybody else like that, even when the, the odds are stacked against you, you have a good spirit to say, you know what? I can come out on top of this. Anybody else like that? Because I'm like that. And that's exactly how I felt in this situation, except I was dead wrong. Um, I, took the <laughs> I took the dirt bike out. First of all, uh, to add insult to injury, I had to pay like $50 for this dirt bike. Um, but I, I paid the money. I took the dirt bike out. And I remember, my wife doesn't know the story. She would freak if she did. Hopefully, she is in here. So forgive me for what I'm about to say because um, I almost ended my life before I married you. Um, I get on the dirt bike, and I'm riding out, and I remember pulling out uh, in front of oncoming traffic. Uh, and here's the thing about oncoming traffic in Thailand. They don't stop for a black dude on a dirt bike. And I remember I pulled out, and I saw a car coming, and it was coming straight for me, and I forgot how to drive the motorcycle that I didn't know how to drive. And so it, it stalled out, and it went, doo, 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 doo. and uh, the car comes screaming to her, and I'm not kidding. It was like seven inches from my leg. I almost died, and what did I do? Pull it back into the shop and leave it and let them have it, right? That was a smart thing. No, I decided to drive further to the coffee shop. That's a brilliant move. I almost died. I'm like, you know what? This is a good idea. I'll figure it out as I go. Any other figure it out as I go dudes in here? I was like, I will be okay. This is fine. I take it out one more time. I'm like, you know what? Uh, it took me like two kicks to start it. I start it up. I start driving. And um, they have these giant like left turn intersections where there's not really a light. You just start going when the dude in front of you starts going. So um, the dude, and here, here's the thing. If you've ever driven, driven a motorcycle, the hardest thing to do is to go from neutral to first, right? The hardest thing to do. It's hard. Um, so I, I pulled the dirt bike uh, out, and I, the, the, word, the thing I was fearing the most was having to come to a stop 
and then my fears were realized at this left turn situation because I had to come to a stop. Stop the dirt bike. I'm going through all the situations in my head of how I can explain that my spinal cord is separated from my body to my wife. Um, I'm trying to go. I'm just, I'm just thinking of, of ways to explain how this made sense. It wasn't my fault, baby. I wasn't stalled out. The car just missed me. You know, I don't know how to explain this, um, but it's okay. I'm still alive. Amen. Um, so I pull up on this left turn intersection, and I remember um, all the cars start to go. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. 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 And I try to start up the dirt bike, and it wouldn't start. So I take the worst walk of shame ever. I had to hold my hand up in front of all of these Asian people. They're probably like, who is Wesley Snipes? But I didn't know what to do. I had to walk the dirt bike to the side of the road because I couldn't start it. I didn't realize that I was in second gear, okay? But I had a feeling at the beginning that this was going to work out. I was just wrong. Have you ever had that happen to you before? Have you ever had a situation where you jump in it and everything that's inside of you is telling you you can do this, but you just happen to be wrong? I, I hate, you know what? I hate this saying so much. Trust your gut. Hey, 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 dude, trust your gut, man. You'll be all right. Trust your gut. That's the dumbest thing anybody's ever said, unless you have six-pack. Uh, like, unless you have a six-pack, that, like, how, why would I trust something that looks like this? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> don't ever trust it. If you got a muffin top, don't trust your gut, okay? It's already made some bad decisions. <laughs> That's how you got there. No offense. I got one, too. Hey, we live in life together. The shirt's big. You can't see it. <laughs> But, but have you ever been in a situation where the feelings that you thought you could trust were wrong? But see, we live in a culture that tells you, no matter what, go with what you feel, man. What do you feel? I, I hate that. Like when you ask somebody for some advice and they, they, they ask you, well, what do you feel? If what I felt was getting me somewhere, I wouldn't ask your dumb self. What do you feel? If you're ever asking for life advice from somebody and they ask you, well, what do you feel like you should do? Run. Because if you're asking for advice, your feelings aren't doing so hot right now. But that's our culture, right? What do you feel? Do what you feel like doing. Oh, do you think that this is wrong or this is right? Ah, oh, well, I just feel like. Well, I kind of feel and I love how hard people trust their feelings. They're like, no, this is exactly what I believe because I feel this in my heart. But the thing about your heart is that it's wrong. See, one of the shakiest places a Christian could be is in a scenario where they believe that their feelings are the natural compass of whether or not something's right or wrong. If your feelings are your conscious or your moral compass, you're lost. Your compass is broken. See, every believer goes through a situation where their feelings don't match up with reality. And a lot of times when we're in our walk and maybe things were hot for a little bit but they kind of cool off, we start saying that thing that we always say, I don't feel God. I don't feel God. And see, as Christians, I, I don't want us to change that fact because I'm going to tell you something here. As a, as a believer... Even as a pastor, there are often times where I don't feel God. And it's not wrong to admit the fact that I don't 
feel God. But what I want you to do is to clearly and completely understand what's happening during those times that you don't feel God. See, as, as humans, we have this nature that our, that our emotions go like this, right? Our lives are a roller coaster of emotion. I'm not calling anybody out, ladies, but I'm just saying that us and the girl, all of us, <laughs> we go through this roller coaster of emotions. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I don't feel like preaching. I don't feel like going to the gym, as you can see. I don't feel like being nice. I don't feel like taking the dog out. There are a lot of things I don't feel like doing. It doesn't make them right. Just because I feel it doesn't mean it's true. And see, as Christians, what we do is we attach God's character to our own. We say, oh, since we go up and down like this, since our emotions do this, oh, that must be what God does, right? That's, that's how his emotions are, right? So when I'm up here, he's supposed to yell with me on my roller coaster of emotions. And when we're back down, he's supposed to feel the stomach drop of when I get to the bottom. And as soon as he doesn't, we start questioning whether or not he exists. As soon as God's character doesn't mend and bend in the way our emotional state does, we start questioning whether or not he's really there. Or even worse, we start questioning whether or not he's close to us. He's not near to me. See, what we're doing is we're attaching our character onto God's. We're saying because of my proximity to this current situation, because I lost my job, because my friends don't like me, because he broke up with me, God's not near. See, here's the truth about your walk with Jesus is that it's not your circumstance that determines the location and the existence of God. Here's the truth. He just is and he's always been close. Unlike us, God didn't get born and God's not going to die. He always was and he always will be. But see, as temporal beings that one day will die and one day were born... We can't understand what it's like to just be. We need everything to match our roller coaster of emotions. We need everything to be really, really great sometimes and really, really bad sometimes. It's in our nature. And when God doesn't match up, when our situations get bad and God is not drawing a little bit closer to us because we're hurting, we say, oh, he's not real. I can't feel him right now. I can't feel God. I love what Jeremiah 17, 9 says. It's beautiful. And it, it's terrible at the same time because he says, in our hearts, everything is deceitful. Everything is deceitful that comes from our hearts. So why in the world would I trust my feelings? Why would I trust my feelings if the Bible says what comes out of a man is deceitful? The heart above all things. It tricks you. Why? Because it was born into this world. See, what's happening, we talked about it two weeks ago when we said trust the process, the process of sanctification. What's really happening, here's the thing that most Christians don't understand, is that they think when you get saved, everything just happens to be like new. Boom, you're just changed. Everything is great. And you're now made alive in Christ. Which is true to one part of your being. See, what most Christians don't understand is that we are a three-part being. We are a spirit, a soul, and a body. What happens when you get saved is your spirit was dead and now it's alive. Your body is still here. It's going to be transformed once you die, go to heaven. You're going to get a new whole set of body. 
And some of y'all are like, thank you, Jesus. I'm like that too. I'm going to be looking like Alex in heaven. Amen. Um, but here's the thing most Christians don't understand is that your soul in the process of sanctification is being made like Christ. What does that mean? That even after you're saved, the feelings inside of your soul that come out in your thoughts and in your words aren't always going to match up with truth. Just because you have Jesus, yes, your spirit is made new and made perfect. That's what God sees. He sees a spirit that was dead now made alive when you accept Jesus Christ. But your soul is still going through the process of being made like Christ. So what that basically means is your soul, which is your mind, your willing, your emotions, the thing that controls you, your soul is still fighting a battle versus flesh because your nature, you were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. And because of that simple fact, you are being made new. That means it's going to happen at some point in time when you don't feel like something, but it happens to be not what Jesus said it was to be. There will come a time when you don't feel like this is something. You don't feel like this is a sin. You don't feel like this is against God. Your heart breaks for these people, so you don't feel like this is blah, whatever. But what does the word say? What does the Bible say? I love what the psalmist said. At the end of that passage of scripture, what did he say? He said, yes, I don't feel God. Where are you, God? You're supposed to be my homeboy. We had such good times when you were playing Scandal of Grace, and it felt good. Something was in my heart and in my, in my gut. I just felt it. Girl, that was heartburn. God's not changing. He doesn't shift closer to you because you're hurting. He doesn't get a little bit harder with his hugs because your boyfriend broke up with you. He's been hugging you that way the whole time. But because our emotions flip and flop, we think God is supposed to do the same thing. And what I'm here to tell you tonight is that's not true. Just because you feel it doesn't mean it's truth. And as young people, if we can grasp that, if we can understand that as we begin this journey, as we begin this walk, if we can understand that it's not our feelings that drive us, it's truth, I believe things are going to change in our life in ways we can't even understand. I'm going to read this passage of scripture for you really quick because I believe this is going to shed a little bit of light on what we do in scenarios that we feel like God's not close. When we don't feel God, we're going to turn really quick to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. I love this passage of Scripture. You probably have heard it before. It says this, so simple. For we walk by faith, not by sight. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Most believers and non-believers would all agree the opposite of faith is what? Not believing, right? We'd all agree on that. If we were using common sense, the opposite of faith, the opposite of believing in something is to not believe in it. But this passage of Scripture is saying, again, wrong. You felt like that was the answer. You was wrong. What this is basically saying is that the opposite of faith is sight. It's saying we walk by faith. So naturally, the opposite of it has to be sight because that's what it says. We walk by faith and not by what? We walk by faith and not by what? We walk by faith and not by what? So the opposite of faith 
is not unbelief. It's not unfaith, if that's a word. The opposite of faith is sight. What is that basically trying to make us see? It's trying to help us understand that what would faith be if we always felt it? What would faith be if we always saw it? The Bible is clearly telling us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. If we could see God, if we could feel God all of the time, what in the world would we need with faith? If we always had God, why do we need this? If we always could feel him, if it always felt like that one time that they played at here as in heaven and I felt those oogly googlies and the goosebumps and it just felt good and God was here. If you felt like that even when times were tough, what's the use of, what's the use of faith? This passage of scripture is basically trying to get us to understand that it's not your feelings that rule your life, it's your faith. When your time gets tough, when your life is riddled with bad news after bad news after bad news, I don't know about y'all, but when I watch the news, I don't feel so good. When somebody breaks in my car, I don't care. I am a Christian, but I don't feel like not knocking them out. There's a lot of things that happen when I don't feel fill in the blank. But what this passage of Scripture is saying, that your faith is supposed to be greater than your feelings. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, faith is greater than your feelings. And to tie back into what Psalms 22 said, it never said that you wouldn't have feelings that weren't true. It actually said the opposite. We have a man of God. We have a scripture in the Holy Bible. By the way, we believe that every single word in this is God-inspired, God-written, even though it was through man. We believe that this word is true and holds no lie and cannot be contended ever. And inside of this holy word of Jesus is a man questioning the existence of God. We've got to ask ourselves, what is that saying? Well, it's God giving us a guide to what to do when we can't feel God. He so cleverly put this in there, so he's like, ah, I know you're going to go through this, so here. I don't know if he said it like that. It was probably more like, hey. I don't know. But he put that passage of Scripture in there to let you know that it's okay if you feel like God's not near. It's natural. You're human. It happens. We go through stuff. But what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 is trying to let us know is even when we feel that, God is still real. And the psalmist points back, because what does he say at the end of the psalms? It said, yet, yes, I feel like stuff is happening, but yet, yes, my family is, is, is disowning me, but yet, I lost my car, but yet, I got in, into a lot of trouble with my parents, but yet, I lost all my money, but yet, my grades are failing, but yet, you are holy. God is real. And it doesn't matter what we feel. It just matters who he is. Our circumstance doesn't change whether or not God is who he is or not. I love this quote by Martin Luther. He said, feelings come and feelings go. Find my, 
Feelings come and feelings go, and, and my feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God. Not else is worth believing. He said, feelings come and feelings go, and my feelings are deceiving. But my warrant is the word of God. Not else is worth believing. Y'all didn't know Martin Luther could rap, did you? That wasn't even the black Martin Luther. That was the white one. But what is he basically saying? Man, I got these feelings that happen. Boom, boom. And they're natural. That's who I am. But what I'm going to stand on is the word of God. And the reason why is because my faith is a lot greater than my feelings. Keys, you can go in and come out. I love what that passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians is letting us understand. Is hey, listen, no matter what you're going through, no matter what it is that's affecting your life, somebody in here needs to hear this. Don't trust your feelings. Don't listen to the, the, those friends out there that are trying to be smart and sound good when they, when they deny the existence of a living God. Because here's the thing, it can trick you and you can start feeling like God is blind, God is this. And you can start feeling like, yeah, but I, I, don't, I, don't, want, I don't know if I believe the Jesus part, but, but yeah, like there's a creator, there's like a God. So I, it can, you can feel that way. But that's not truth. That's not truth. You can feel that God is not close, but that's not truth. And tonight, you need to hear it. You need to hear the truth of the matter. That even in the midst of your feeling, have faith. Why? Because your faith is going to hold on to you a lot longer than your feelings will. Your feelings change. Ask everybody in here with an X. You used to feel one way. Now you block them on Instagram. Don't trust your feelings, family. Don't trust your feelings. Trust truth. Trust the word of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed.